You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast exploring the Dark Knight Library. I am your host, Ryan Lauer. The Batman Book Club is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Just go to batmanonfilm.com, click on podcasts, and you will scroll down to the Batman Podcast Network that has a whole list of other Bat-related shows that also like to dive into other nerdy subjects we all love to frolic about in our free time. The Batman Book Club is also on Patreon. If you like what's going on with the show and you want to help support the show, keep the generators running in the Wayne Manor study, just go to patreon.com slash the Batman BC. Thank you for listening to episode 113, Batman and the Monster Men. Now joining me and returning to the show from Raimi's Reviews, it's one Micah Raimi. Hey, Micah, welcome back. Hello, Mr. Lauer. Thank you so much for having me back. It is a pleasure. Um, to be absolutely here yes on the I'm batman gl- book club i'm glad you could join me here this evening to record at your favorite time of the day my favorite time of the day <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i said that about 7 30 i just you know it's a good time yeah 7 30 at night i mean i mean i'm looking outside i've got the window open there's a pond with a fountain this like it's a perfect temp out and everything so it's hard to argue that this is not a good time of day so um i appreciate you picking this time I like it. It is a good time of day. It's it's seven thirty. The sun still is has not set yet, but it's not necessarily too hot. It's cooling off. Yeah. You know. And if I look out my window, I can't see from here, but if I step to the side slightly, I can see the Washington Monument, a few other uh, cool things in DC. Wow. So you know, you can just look out and see some history. Not too bad. Not a bad time. <laughs> Meanwhile, I look out my window. I see another building here in Indiana, and that's that's as uh, beautiful as it gets. But that's okay. It's a nice seven thirty. On a in a June, June summer evening. Summer evening. It's <laughs> summer like the evening. middle of summer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I don't sure. know. I haven't I haven't paid attention to that really. Um, Me either. In quite a while. But anyways, uh, it's fun because this is our first time recording since you and I have met in person. We both know that we are real human beings. Uh, yes. We have met. Uh, we have eaten in front of each other. We have watched a Batman movie together. Some yes. serious bonding a couple months ago. That's as strong as the Batman bonding can get. I don't know how you can top that, but I'm sure we can find a way. Yeah, I don't know what, what else we would you could do. But yeah, that's a hell of a time. And it's kind of fun though. The, you know, the Bat Boys that I've been recording since March and it's like, Hey, this is the first time since we actually met each other. Hey. And then there's some people coming up down the road that it's like, Hey, we actually met each other in person. Uh, so that's pretty fun. Yeah. That whole BOF watch party was awesome. Like it was just, just meeting everyone was incredible. And I had no idea like how excited everyone was to see me for some reason. I'm like, I'm here for <laughs> all of you. Like uh, it was amazing. Peter Vera was ecstatic <laughs> to meet one Micah Raymond, a.k.a. Deathstroke, like uh, uh, yeah, apparently Deathstroke somehow. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, we, I almost talk to that guy every day. And I don't know if you guys have noticed fans of Pete Vera out there. I know he's listening. That guy has been a menace on the Facebook page, <laughs> on Twitter, the messages he sends me. But he makes my day almost yeah. every day. He really does. 
love the guy. He's hilarious. Just keep, got, keep up what you're doing, Pete, please. We got the Peter Vera experience when we were in Texas, and it did not disappoint. <laughs> it exceeded it all expectations. and It really did. Um, yeah, I think he goes through his cycles. So this is how I know sometimes it's just crazy to think that Twitter isn't like a dumpster fire uh, all the time. But there's times where I feel like it's not a dumpster fire, and that's when Pete is the biggest rascal. And so it's just a cycle. He goes after Garrett. His, um, he'll go after me. And then you become a member of the Ooxus fan club. You know, he's... <laughs> I feel so... like we all serve a purpose in his like <laughs> troll life. Like he just, he makes fun of Dick shoes and his mashed potatoes and all of his other mm-hmm. nonsense and his star Wars takes. And then he uses me to be a part of all these Ooxus fan <laughs> clubs that I had no intention of being a part of. It's, yeah. it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. Peter Vera, ladies and gentlemen, um, yeah. he's got a big uh, fan corner here on the Batman book club since basically, I mean, I don't have a co-host, but if I did, it would probably be him because he's on a lot. So uh, yeah, there you go. Shout out to Peter Vera. Yeah, shout out. And shout out to uh, Batman and the monster men. I think let's get to talking about Batman and the monster men. How's that sound? Okay. Sounds good to me. So the story was uh, released in 2006, written and illustrated by one Matt Wagner. It was released in physical issues, digital. Now it's available, digital issues. It was collected in a trade paperback. Uh, It's on DC Universe in finite. And it was collected in a hardcover, Legends of the Dark Knight, Matt Wagner. And that book is available on my favorite app of all time, Hoopla. yeah, and it's part of the Dark Moon Rising series from Matt Wagner, which we'll get into that here in just a second. So for this uh, episode recording, Micah, which version do you have? Did you read? And all that good stuff. So I have, I believe it to be one of the original versions of oh. the entire series issues? when it compiled all six issues together. Um, and... The re- I just do we get into like why I chose the book too. I just kind of want to segue into that as you well. You want to segue or, right into it? You want to uh, skip? I just, it, it, you just, okay, breaking rules. I like it. You're <laughs> you are Deathstroke. It's your it's your world. Okay. <laughs> it was just fresh on my mind. Um, well, I I can't remember which one I have because I don't have it with it personally. It's back at my parents' house, like mm-hmm. tucked away nicely. So whenever I eventually move back to Texas, I'm in Maryland currently. I'll have it on the shelf somewhere so then I'll know for sure. But I remember. I chose Batman Ego. That was our first episode because yeah. it was fresh on my mind and the Batman was coming up soon. So I thought it'd be an interesting discussion for this one, Ryan, I started contemplating and meditating. I'm like, what's, what's like the first Batman like graphic novel I remember or series I remember reading. And I, the first thing, the first thing I thought of was monster man. And I believe it came out of me in 06. I was born in 97. So I was still relatively young into my, into reading. Essentially I've been reading that long, but I remember my dad, everyone knows Bill Ramey giving me this and it was actually signed by Matt Wagner as well, which is also the book was, he yeah, gave the you a book, book signed by him. Wow. Yeah, he gave me a book signed by Bat- Matt Wagner. Look at that so guy. Was, yeah. Super <laughs> cool. I was, I, mean, I thought it was awesome. I just wanted to read yeah. Batman comics. So sure. I remember reading it to completion and, and really enjoying it. And I haven't honestly read it since. So getting back to it was a lot of fun and very nostalgic for me. So, wow. Yes. Well, you kind of answered all three questions. Okay. So cool. I'll go one by one. The version I read is 
the trade paperback, the first collected trade paperback of Batman and the Monster Men. Um, Great cover. Which on the spine, which actually I've looked this up and I feel like this trade is kind of, it's hard to come by now and it's expensive if you want to buy it. Uh, I'm really curious why... Uh, like it seems like it's a story that's really beloved by fans and yet they didn't do insane reprints of the paperback they didn't do like a collecting all all of the dark moon rising into one hardcover or anything i mean once i think it was in hmm, it might have been last year you know these past couple years all blend together uh but the legends of the dark knight matt wagner book uh, that was like the first time that it had been reprinted and collected. Uh, no, that was 2020. There we go. That was released in 2020. Yeah, it's the first time it's been collected and, and reprinted since the original trade, which I think is so crazy because, you know, DC, they'll, I mean, a business wants to make money, right? So just keep, mm-hmm. look at the freaking long Halloween. They have, they're on their, what, 15th printing, collected printing now or something. And this is one of those books that I just feel like it would continue to sell and people would want it. And I mean, looking at the Legends of the Dark Knight Mac Wagner collection now on Amazon, a, a, a used version, I think, is 70 bucks. This trade yeah. is 50 yeah. bucks. I bought it for 14.99 in 2006. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I guess very I didn't happy really, I did. Yeah, didn't also mention, I just downloaded like the Kindle versions off Amazon because mm-hmm. all I saw on there were like used copies as well that were up there around the prices you mentioned, like 60, 70, 80, 90 bucks. So I was like, yeah, I'll just download. I think it was like two bucks each. So I just downloaded yeah. them and read, read, read through them on a, just like a Kindle application on my laptop, which isn't the way I like to read <laughs> comics. Obviously, yeah. if I had it in my hands, I definitely would have read it. But I mean, it doesn't distract from the great story of Batman and the Monster Man at all. Yeah, the, the I, I don't know. It just kind of blows my mind that there aren't more reprintings of that. But digital, yes, digital is... I mean, DC Universe Infinite, and then buying it on Comixology, that's probably, that's your easiest and best bet to go now and uh, most inexpensive. But I'm sure uh, if you're listening to this, you probably have a version somehow because it is a beloved Batman story. Now, as far as when did I first, so I'm assuming when your dad gave it to you, the collected trade, which is what I just showed you, I have, this is what he gave you? Yes, exactly. For six and one. Okay. Um, signed that was in 2006 i believe so so that was probably the first time you read it yes sir okay gotta make sure get these facts down you know no fake news here (laughs) nothing but facts um i think i bought this in like 2006 uh, because once i moved down to the city i'm at now to go to college i came from no comic book shops to there being like three or four in the area and I had money because I was working. I also had uh, student loan money. So I was adding, t- I was starting my archives of Batman books. And I came across because it was new and released. It was like, hey, Batman book, mine. I know I don't have it. So that mm. that was the first time that I read it. And probably just like in one freaking sitting. Because it's such a, I mean, I know it's a hundred and, let's see, this is 144 pages. Uh, damn, that time flies reading it too. Like it's, it feels kind of continuous. Uh, like there's not really a, okay, this is a good point to stop. I'll pick it up again. Um, so you s- interpreting the question of why Batman and the Monster Man, Micah, it's because it's nostalgic. You haven't read it 
since you got it the first time. So you thought what better time to, cause actually you told me that down in Texas, <laughs> I was like, bringing you back on. You're like, I want Batman and the monster man. And I said, yep. yes, sir. Nobody's called it surprising. This is episode one twelve. It still blows my mind sometimes of books that haven't been covered yet. And yeah, episode one twelve, and, and here we are finally doing Batman and the monster man. Yeah, I'm an incredibly lucky guy because it was the first one that came in my head. And I was like, there's Mm -hmm. someone who's had to do it, 100 plus. And you're like, nope, you got it. Whenever I'm available, I'll let you know. And I'm like, oh, let's go. (laughs) I dare someone to try and take this book from you. Yeah, I was going to hunt them down and just death stroke them if it actually (laughs) That sounds really inappropriate when I say it like that as a verb. Oh, boy. Oh, Uh, well. (laughs) Not cutting it, though. People need to know um how serious you are about this but anyways as i said so it even says on this on the top like a top banner of this trade and even on the spine it says one there's a follow-up to this called batman and the mad monk also dark moon rising and that says two together it is one 12 issue story that matt wagner was actually initially uh he put this on his twitter he's kind of i feel like he's pretty new to twitter he just came on uh, earlier this year and if you don't follow Matt Wagner on Twitter, I highly recommend you follow him on Twitter because he and um, one Sir Kelly Jones, they're both pretty, like, they signed up for Twitter this year and they are just dropping p- images of their art, like in a uh, sketch and ink stages and everything. And like cool little notes about, about that piece and stuff. And Matt Wagner's, he was doing that. And I'm pretty sure he mentioned in one of these about he, he didn't envision breaking it up. I think he wanted all, he either wanted all 12 to just come out as like one book, or he was just going to do a 12 issue mini series. And then it got broken up into, I think it was just going to be dark moon rising. Um, track him down to find out for sure on that. But uh, yeah, it's kind of under that banner of dark moon rising of in a period between Batman year one and uh, the, the man who laughs um, early Batman. And I love that setting. I think it's, I think you could probably est- like guess that just by how Batman looks on the front, the style of his suit. Uh, but then as soon as you get into the story, there's like, you know, there's little nuggets that kind of tip you off that this is really early on in his career. Like you see in a newspaper where Batman's still kind of like mysterious and that there's a red hood uh, stopped and and you hear it's Captain Gordon in which we learned at the end of year one he got that promotion to captain and stuff and Julie Madison who we all know that was that was like the first love of Bruce Wayne's in the comics and stuff so I really like the the setting that like this started off with of the set, setting that this takes place because it also feels a little bit timeless too mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like this is 1940 Batman or anything but it doesn't say that this is oh this is 2006 batman either so i'm rambling so take it away micah first thoughts what you think about with batman and the monster man i feel like i'm going to echo a lot of what, what okay. you had to say my after reading it just it, it does feel timeless doesn't it besides like maybe a a bat computer here and there it sure. feels like it could take place in any time and it really feels almost I got vibes like the animated series because that series seems so yeah. you know, timeless when you watch yeah. it. And the art style is, I mean, there's a lot of obvious like comparisons to to Batman Year One. It takes place, you know, it's part of the canon. It takes place not long after, but it still harkens back to a lot of the origins of Batman. I mean, the story itself is from 
you know, mm-hmm. that what Batman one from 1940, it takes a lot of yeah. inspiration from it. What is that called? It was like monsters of Hugo strange or something like that. Um, I believe. Oh yeah. Um, the giants of Dr. Hugo strange off of yes. Batman one in 1940. So it's obvious. I think what Matt Wagner was trying to do was trying to fit this in that little piece after Batman year one, but also like, Hey, like, let's go back to Batman's roots roots and, and tell a little mm-hmm. story from there, but also, you know, bring characters forward like Hugo strange and, and Julie Madison and, and all these other characters. And I think he did a really good job. And even now, like, I guess the comic is older. It's almost 20 years old. It doesn't feel 20 years old. And I just had a really good time with it. And mm-hmm. I like the early Batman where he's still kind of making mistakes, but he's also kind of, becoming more of a fully formed batman something you see in like long halloween it even references things that's going to happen eventually in long halloween in the books so i think it's it just fits in a really cool place in batman's uh timeline and just tells yeah. a little story and fleshes it out i really really dug this this comic so i like that you brought up the fact of batman number one the the giants of Hugo strange, because I mean, yeah, it is basically like a retelling of that. And for anybody uh, who's in the know, like I just said, Batman and the mad monk, that was also early, early Batman too. And it was just, Mm -hmm. you know, it was retold, uh, updated, however you want to kind of phrase that through Wagner's vision in which I think he does a really great, a great job. Of course it's different between like what exactly goes down but i mean the you know the basic uh, roots of the story of hugo strange and these basically creating these monsters through like a gene uh like dna you know and then also there is in detective comics uh 471 the strange apparitions i mean steve Englehart and marshall rogers even did a little nod when bruce is locked in you know strange's building and he and he goes and he escapes but there's like some monster men in that too which you know that's one of my favorite runs one of my favorite stories too uh so it's the idea has been revisited before but not to the extent here and i think i mean they recently did it in the rebirth era and i didn't like that really at all i thought it was kind of (laughs) crap i don't know if you read that i'd I'm, no, I'm not going to tell anybody not to because I'm inform your own opinion. But yeah, the the monsters were like ugly, but so okay. This is this sounds really stupid. Here you see a little bit of like a resemblance of, oh, this is a a human morphed, you know, into something else. And those were like weird creatures, weird ugly creatures morphed into other weird ugly creatures and it's just like a i don't know it was not that enjoyable there was just yeah Yeah. so probably hopefully going to be a while before they attempt to do this kind of story again because i feel out of all of them wagner's version is the best version of this of this story yeah i mean i haven't read the that issue you were talking about that story but i do think matt wagner does such a good job combining the grounded elements that frank miller established and also like kind of the goofy silly stuff from very early golden age batman but making it believable i think that's maybe i haven't read that comic like you said but maybe that's where the problem lies where it doesn't seem believable like one second batman is you know getting beaten up by some thugs and kind of being a badass next second he's fighting these giant monsters and it's believable like not for a second it doesn't seem like too out of place like you understand hugo strain's obsession and how this guy could 
eventually create these things. You buy into it. And I, I, I was never really lost in the story at all on like yeah. a believable level. That was the thing. So, I mean, if you want to think of like Godzilla language, it's like Ghidorah, three-headed, the three-headed monster <laughs> Godzilla fights. It's like that was one of the monsters in that one and stuff. This is just large men that are ugly. <laughs> I mean, it's not and any it, more less believable than like Killer Croc or something, you know? It's yeah, like, and I like I can go along with that. That's fine. Yeah. And and he sets it because I feel like through the book itself, as as you were kind of touching on the realistic factor. Yes, Wagner, I'm sure is like. I know this is a comic book. How real is this? But also treating it, I mean, similar to what Matt Reeves was saying behind the scenes stuff for the Batman of, I know that this can't happen, but we need to take it serious. Like, like it, it, like it could, it is realistic, but we know it's not realistic. And i kind of feel that's the approach that Wagner has here. Uh, Because he like, I mean, it's something as simple as Bruce. I mean, one moment of Bruce gets his ass kicked. And he wakes up or Julie wakes him up in his bed and she opens the curtains and the lights mm-hmm. shine on him. And he just looks like shit. And he has his arm in like a sling and he's scratched <laughs> up and bruised all over the place. And I mean, it, you know, it's not ignoring the fact of as unrealistic as it is of a guy to go out and kick ass every single night. Like, yeah, he got his ass kicked and he's, you know, he's suffering from it and stuff. It's like a, a humanistic uh, point, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he makes mistakes in this. He does. I do. I really like the Batmobile mistake. Like the first initial car, you don't really know it's the Batmobile, and he, you know, puts it in the way and lets that car, the the guys or whatever stole the car, hit his mm-hmm. like fake Batmobile. I think they called it the Night Car, which is I think is a really cool name. Uh, if you're not gonna <laughs> call it the car. Batmobile, the Night Car, I think that sounds yeah. awesome. <laughs> and how he leaves that behind. There's like license plates in it and all this other stuff. And I just, yeah, just. It's like I talked about earlier, it's a young Batman, but he's also, it's not year one Batman. He's still, he's right there at the cusp of uh, becoming fully formed Batman. You mentioned Matt Reeves. And while I was reading this, did you not get like the Batman vibes from this? Like the intro, like the intro of the Batman is Batman is like the villain doing something. And then Batman's introduction is him beating the crap out of thugs. And then instantly he goes to like a crime scene with like gordon i got like all of those vibes like from the intro to this and it just i don't know if matt reeves happened to look at this at all for like how he wanted to start the batman but if he did i would it definitely makes sense to me of how the the comic began i got the batman vibes but also i've watched the batman like 10 million times (laughs) in the last few months so maybe i just see a little bit of the batman and everything but yeah i i'll say i like honestly did with the car part so as you'd said with you know the the night car uh that coming out and how i mean a lot of only nerds are really complaining about how the batmobile and the batman doesn't look like a batmobile um i love the damn car but i think with the the color of gotham in those pages and then the car itself that made me think of the batman but uh i didn't really think too much but now i will because you said it so thanks um, <laughs> I'll welcome. read this again and be like, oh my gosh, this is like the Batman. Uh, as much as it's like continuity, as we said it, I mean, post year one, before the man who laughs. So, I mean, we get in name mention the Roman, but mm-hmm. Maroni is the is the mob player here, mm-hmm. and he's he's integral, integral, important to the story. Uh, every, I mean, 
on the villainous side, everything kind of is affected because of him. It revolves around him mm-hmm. between Hugo Strange is in debt to him. Um, oh my gosh. Norman's in Norman, debt to him. Yeah. Norman Madison. Uh, he's in debt to him too. And it's kind of like all this stuff is it's a domino effect because of interaction with Maroney, which everything comes to a head mm-hmm. because of that. We're, we're both sides of this. Um, I, I like that because I do love the stories of the Batman against the mob, Batman versus the mob. But I also, I mean, I love Batman's villains. And this doesn't have, I don't know if you'd even, if you'd argue now that Hugo Strange is an A-lister or not. Because uh, I think just like instantly A-list Batman villains, you get, you know, Joker, Riddler, Catwoman, Penguin, Two-Face. I think those are the the first five that everybody would name. Mm-hmm. Um, with arguments to be made for Scarecrow and Hugo Strange and uh, Ra's al Ghul. But I like that the mobs included just enough in this story but not too much, you know, it's a little bit yeah. of fun Batman stuff to do. Um, yep. Story continues to move. The pacing is perfect and nothing really bogs it down. Yeah. I do like not necessarily the mob focus, but it being like kind of the center focus of the story. Like mm-hmm. you did mention like the, the character tethers in this book and every character serves a purpose in this book like everyone's tied to someone either batman has a relationship with them or, or bruce wayne has mm-hmm. a relationship with them and it, i do like how it all comes to a head at, in issue six at uh at falcone's manor which we never even saw him we don't even know what where exactly he is which is cool because we know where you know eventually the story goes in the long halloween and, mm-hmm. and other stories but i just really like the the character tethers how they all like have something they're all connected in some way and um, I don't know how I'm bringing Batman forever into this, but I just love when Batman. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> when Batman's uh, not a simp, and in this book, Batman is certainly not a simp. I love when Batman is just like, yeah, I have a love interest, but it's not. But I do like how it's not fake. Like he's not just using her as like a, yeah. just to like, oh, hey, look at me, I'm a billionaire playboy. No, he actually has a genuine interest for her. And this Bruce, isn't this Bruce Wayne and Batman a lot more hopeful than what you mostly see? He doesn't seem that grim about things. Like he, when he's talking yeah. to his parents he talks about how you know i actually have a girlfriend now and i think you guys would would really love her and he talks about how he's, he's so close to cracking maroney and this is like the domino like that'll get everything going so he's already kind of he's very optimistic he's looking almost as if like you know i could i could finish this soon perhaps it seems like maybe at the beginning of the issues so i just talking about the character tethers and just overall interpretations of characters i really enjoyed it i like how it, i love a dark uh you know emo batman i'm talking about the batman he's just super dark and depressed but i, I don't mind like upbeat more optimistic batman looking looking forward to maybe potentially putting up the mantle someday and that's i feel like this is the kind of mindset batman is in at this at this point yeah. in time because he's looking as julie as a genuine love interest not just you know a puppet to show everyone like oh you know i'm a playboy i'm not actually dressing up as a bat and i'd beat people to a pole so that i think makes me think Batman the animated series as well. So yeah. Um gosh, which maybe it's Mask of the Phantasm. Or no, it's it's an episode. I can't think of what episode of the series where you know Bruce goes to some some party and you know the the girls are all like oh Bruce, oh Bruce. I think somebody makes kind of a comment about him, but it's it's like we only hear other people say he's got a reputation. We don't see anything 
Like we don't see the basis of that. Mm-hmm. And so we hear or in Norman Madison even says it when Bruce yeah. goes ends up at the one party here, like he's got that reputation, you know, sort of deal, but we don't see it. We just get again, it's somebody else saying that. And then Julie Madison was like Bruce Wayne's first uh first love in the comics. Yeah. And I feel like she's always forgotten because it's Selena's always mentioned. Talia is always mentioned and then you'll get um oh my gosh I, I already I had it Vicky Vale's in there a lot Vicky's in there um mostly just because of I mean the 89 movie they haven't done much movie, with, yeah they haven't done much with her oh Silver St. Cloud who was mm. you know only six issues in Detective Comics um before the miniseries Dark Detective and some other like some others so i kind of feel like julie madison's always she's just always kind of forgotten and in the early comics she was i think she was an actress and here the he made he makes her a a law student and she's not a damsel in distress she's not an idiot you know she's up there and norman like her intelligence is up there and she's like she can stand her her ground and i think Norma Madison even says it at one point of kind of like, if there's anybody that can basically rope Bruce in, it's you. Bruce says at one point, I don't know if he just writes it to himself in the diary or if he tells Alfred of like, Julie's way too smart for this. She's not like, I can't dupe her. I can't fool her. Like when she surprised him by waking him up, waking him up in his, in his bedroom and stuff. And I think that might even be the, might even be the scene where he's, he's like, I got to come up with something quick on what really happened to me. And she even questions and doubles down on his on his excuse, even of like, wait, what? Um, mm. I really just like how she gets respect and she's actually a good character because that could be something too. As us as readers could be like, oh my gosh, like gag me with this love interest, you know? If we don't like the character, but I think she's she's a legacy character, um, but she's written really well. She serves a purpose. She too is linked into this stuff by way of her father yeah. and she's Bruce's love interest. Um, yep. I like she's useful to the story. And I think that's kind of what it all comes down to. Um, and it, and so it's like, in the end, it's cool that it becomes Matt Wagner does his homework and it's Julie Madison. So I wish there were more stories with her. Uh, I mean, the follow-up to this, obviously she's in that one, <laughs> but and I know that I think Scott Snyder did it in New 52 um, there towards the end, but I just feel like they also didn't do a whole lot with it either. So I, I like yeah. that this is the Julie Madison story. <laughs> I think the best decision that Matt Wagner made was when he brought Julie Madison forward was changing her profession from an actress to a lawyer. Cause I think that just adds so much more, just wait to her character because not yeah. only is she and she's going to eventually be involved in the criminal realm in some way i think that's what made rachel i keep comparing to movies that's what mm-hmm. made rachel's character so you know it, unique in the dark night was her working in the da office and obviously you know her relationship with harvey dent but there's I like a think credibility uh, factor that comes with that title yeah. because yeah. hey maybe you don't like lawyers but lawyers aren't dumb like they're yeah. they're pretty smart, so it, that at least instantly, if somebody's a lawyer, gives a little bit of credibility of okay, we're dealing with somebody who is smart here. Yeah, and it's it's like 
when Bruce and Julie are together, or whatever, if someone he's dating is a lawyer, you know, like when they're together, we're together. But when we're away, we're both trying to put criminals behind bars to what we have completely different methods. Yeah. Um, and, and then obviously the females are going to be like, oh, is he leading a double life? Oh, is he seeing another woman? No, I, honestly, I, I dress up as a bat and go out and yeah. die. But <laughs> I, I do like her character a lot. She's not just a damsel in distress. I didn't I did like that in the in the story, how she didn't just get captured at some point or anything like no she's intelligent she snuck her way into wayne manor she knew that she memorized the code from when bruce used it last time and that's how she bruce essentially almost got caught being mm-hmm. like being batman um but i do like her character and that's another cool thing like, he didn't have to bring her forward i don't think like his nor her father is like an, i'm pretty sure that's his first introduction right like he's never been uh, in the comics before i don't my know research. If- any other story of Norman Madison that doesn't I have yeah full disclosure I haven't read every single Batman comic book um <laughs> yeah but but I don't I, I don't think I've yeah because I, I don't I mean I don't, I don't think it would have detracted or really added anything if, if she was just a new character as well but I do think it's cool how he brought the Hugo Strange monster Man story forward he also decided hey like there's this first Batman love interest I'm gonna bring her forward and I was thinking like isn't it weird how like it almost seems like most most of the most important comic book characters have their like set love interest spider-man mary jane i know uh gwen stacy's in there as well but it's mostly mary jane superman lois lane and it's just like batman has whoever <laughs> whoever it doesn't matter julie vicky selena yeah. talia silver he's got five now yeah. some people could argue of like no it's selena i think because selena it's just been so current for the, the how many years now six years that it's been Bruce and Selena that people would say, oh, that's his number one, which, hey, you can make a case for that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Others could say Talia because, hello, they had a kid. Um, yeah. But I mean, you speak of first. I mean, you got Julie and Vicky. So it's I, I, I don't know. It, yeah. Bruce Wayne. He's damn Batman. Just dance with the yeah. one you <laughs> dance with the girl, bro. You know, Jesus. <laughs> Just choose one. Stop leaving. You know, what? he is a playboy. Yes, actually, unironically yeah. is. He says he's not, he, he but really he actually is. is. <laughs> we all want to say that he's not, but no, just look at that. Five off the top of, it, of your head. So we talked about Julie. Um, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say with Sal Maroney. Obviously, this is pre, um, pre-Harvey Dent. We, I, we know that he is basically works for Falcone, which you read the long Halloween, you kind of know that Falcone's number one. Maroney is an under, you know, he's a servant, if you will. Um, but I think like then maybe, t- okay, Bruce is the main character, mm-hmm. Bruce Batman. And then I don't know if you'd say Julie would be next on the bill or Hugo Strange. This characterization of Hugo Strange, it's funny because it is different than what a lot of us think of now but also it definitely fits with the character hugo strange so he's a scientist um at the end of this book where we end up with he i think he becomes a little bit more in line to uh like i was saying the strange apparitions um that's what i think of at the end of this book where he's like analyzing the psychosis of batman and stuff and that's what he does in strange apparitions um and that's what he does in uh, Prey, Batman Prey, you know, and so we end up where we know him. But prior to that, I mean, he's like a he's an, he's a mad scientist playing with DNA. I don't know which version of him I prefer. 
because it, he had plenty to do here and his motivations. I mean, we don't get a deep explanation for why he's up to what he's up to, do we? I mean, the only thing I guess we get is he's just obsessed with human beings reaching their full potential. And yeah. I think he has, it's obviously he's super insecure about the fact that he's the almost complete opposite of that. He's reached his maximum level and he's like, what, five? He's like five, five. No offense to you short guys out there or anything, <laughs> yeah. but I do like the character swap. Like when he's introduced, you think it's Bruce because it's just yes. a dark silhouette. And then it's no, this is Hugo. So it kind of shows like they're almost similar in a way that they have very similar mindsets in a way, but I do like, I mean, when we know he goes strange for is being obsessed with just the mental state and psychosis of Batman. And we get to see that Hugo strange, who's obsessed with just perfecting the perfect human. And eventually mm -hmm. that becomes Batman because he thinks Batman is that perfect specimen. So I think it's really interesting to see him and intriguing to see him just obsessed with human beings in general and creating a perfect, uh, monster a perfect human or just messing with dna and eventually when he encounters batman for the first time he like almost essentially falls in love he's head over heels yeah for batman and just how powerful he is and he's just a, a peak human condition because yeah that fits into what you just said of like his his obsession with peak human condition so yeah when yeah. he's watching batman uh perform it is it's total mm -hmm. like oh my god look at this this is the height of human yeah. uh yeah I don't know, like human capabilities. Like yeah, he even potential. like puts on the cape and like like wears it around for a second in, in one of the panels. Uh, mm -hmm. Whenever Batman finally escapes from the Monster Man initially, he was just so impressed that he yeah. he didn't even care that Batman escaped. He was just he was actually happy. <laughs> yeah, and then it's interesting how, I mean, it keeps the story going, like moving along. That mm -hmm. the the Batman Monster Man confrontation happens halfway through the book because if you saved it until the very end it's kind of like okay it's batman like let's get this going so then you have the confrontation in the middle of the story you got to do something different when they face off again mm -hmm. and they get batman's dna and then sanjay the uh, his assistant, Hugo's assistant, it's like his brother's body that they're next performing with and they use Batman's DNA. That's pretty cool and trippy. Um, yeah. Messed up. The, I, I, I can't. It's another see. character, Tether, right there. It seems like e even like the monster men have like an importance. Like it's Sanjay's brother and there's a moment that they shared together at the end when he passes that's interesting that adds another depth to the to the novel and that's what i mean that's what i'm trying to find i forget his name because it's like it starts with an r i believe i can't remember what it is but it is just really intriguing i do love that as soon as hugo's like oh we have batman's dna i'm like oh okay i know what's yeah. gonna happen next rajan r-a-j-a-n okay rajan yeah. rajan i don't know go ahead carry on yeah i'm just gonna say the story is kind of predictable in a way but not in a bad way it's so enjoyable it's like mm -hmm. it's like i talked about like a batman animated series episode you kind of know where it's going but it's you you want to continue to read it watch it see what happens even though you kind of mostly know what's going to happen in a bad way but I do. I really do. What do they call the 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 Bruce Wayne Batman, the Prince of the the Monster Man? Right. I love that name. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> Damn it! I don't I remember. Mean, yeah, I believe Hugo called him the Prince of the Monster Man. 
which yes. is awesome. And he looked different. He looked more human in a way. He looked less monster, but and he was obviously the most powerful. Mm-hmm. And I love how Maroney and that goon go up to Falcon Falcone's rooftop to stow away on the helicopter and like you don't like all right, get in the helicopter and fly. He's like, I don't know how to fly that thing. He's like, what? Yeah, <laughs> this is your idea. What do you mean you don't know how to fly it? Uh, and that's, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, that's that's perfect. And I mean, I t- I agree with you in the fact that you kind of know where it's headed, but then you also like then you're still fully surprised. It's a way to give you so there's all these Maroni goons that are just cannon fodder. And it's like, well, oh, we need yeah. the monster men to just tear some shit up. So they do. And uh, they're ripping these guys apart. And it's a it's a massacre. Literally. It's great. It's kind of Literally. what we want to see. Yeah. But then, <laughs> I mean, the Sanjay's brother. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you kind of. It's kind of crazy because I don't fully hate Hugo Strange here. So you read him in, in Strange Apparitions, like you kind of hate the bastard. You read him in uh, Batman Prey and you kind of hate the bastard, but I don't fully hate him here because he's not. It's almost like Batman broke into his lab mm-hmm. and then ended up in the pit with the monster. Men. Yeah. Um, he didn't seek Hugo didn't seek him out and try. So I think that that works so well with the continuity here in the sense of, yeah, where it ends up, then you can see him becoming the bastard that we read about in other stories but here i don't feel i don't know i don't feel the hatred for the guy and i kind of feel bad for his assistant yeah sanjay and you i mean you kind of you feel for the guy as his brother just gets blasted by all those goons and then i mean just a couple pages later then he gets blasted in the head by one of the goons in which then that causes you know hugo to take out that goon it's kind of like oh man that kind of that kind of sucks he was just he was a loyal assistant Batman did kind of interject himself in this entire conflict, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, granted, because people are getting killed, but Mm -hmm. you don't... This sounds very terrible. But, I mean, it's (laughs) the one one man and his girl uh, being shitty to Hugo. Mm -hmm. And then you find out that Hugo got his revenge, and you're kind of like, well, I'm not entirely sympathetic here to those people. (laughs) Like... You are yeah. assholes. Like, yeah. don't be a bully, kids, or you might get eaten and ripped apart by monster men. <laughs> I think mean, Maroni did the same here. thing too. Maroni started screwing him over, mm-hmm. and you know he took his methods to get revenge on him as well. It just seems like Hugo, like you know, doesn't like getting bullied. He takes that very, very seriously. He writes your name on sticky notes and puts them on his mirror. And every yes. morning when he wakes up and washes his face and brushes his teeth, <laughs> he remembers you. Today so. it's Maroni. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. How did you feel about the uh, not to just take over Go the show? How did you feel about the the Batmobile reveal? I, I dug it, man. I like this look oh, of the Batmobile. Holy shit! Love that Batmobile. I think it looks awesome. Yeah, I mean, I I know that. I mean, I don't know the exact quote to Alfred, but how he kind of basically they tease it that yeah. he's got. You know, we lost the car, but he teases that we're working on something else, and you just you freaking know you're like, oh hell, that's the Batmobile, and yeah. then that that image where let's see i'm trying to find it i'm, I'm looking for it somewhere in um, issue six well not of it's in the cave of alfred and, and batman yeah there we go page 110 and yeah i i love that that page turner of let's see 
But yeah, so it says that place is a veritable fortress. And you see that they're going down steps in the back cave. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you turn the page in that cool two-page half spread. Uh, and there's the Batmobile, which I think looks cool as hell. And then it's, it looks like almost a prototype Batwings. Or maybe yeah. there's an early version he's used as long like as well as the bat, like the bat bike, the bat cycle, whatever. I think that panel is just so freaking cool. Uh, and yeah, I totally dig the Batmobile. And then, yeah, like you kind of said, and and then when it crashes through the gates, like you see it coming, they're teasing that it's coming by the Hugo and Sanjay at the, like at the gates and a light's coming behind them, light's coming behind them. And then, yeah, Sanjay's kind of got the oh shit eyes. Mm-hmm. As you that Batmobile that- looks timeless to me. I think that's one yeah. of the most timeless aspects of the book is that Batmobile. Mm-hmm. Really dig it. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the one panel, I mean, it looks like it's maybe a little short. But also, like, I don't know if that's your complaint. Then, okay, cool. I don't, I don't know. I like this Batmobile a lot, and we don't get a whole lot of action. I can't remember uh, Batman and the Mad Monk how much it's in that, if at all. It's been a while since I've read that one too. But yeah, this is a. I mean, they love making toys and Hot Wheels and stuff of Batmobiles. Let's get this one. That story is kind of overlooked. I mean, you're way more into the. I don't know, Batman comic book community than I am. So does this does this story seems like perhaps it's it's overlooked and people kind of forget about it? It's you know, essentially I mean it fits in between year one and uh the man who laughs, correct? People reading comics definitely like I don't know anybody who doesn't like this story. Uh comic book readers that I've come across, they are definitely aware of Batman and the Monster Men and think it's a damn good story but everybody does just stick to when you when you hear about the best and the favorites and stuff you know they they go to what you expect of dark Knight returns year one to long halloween hush um that's that's just kind of where people go to right away so it's crazy because it's i don't know for how good it is it's beloved but yeah it hasn't it i don't think it's reached that upper mm-hmm. echelon level of batman stories um the most recent to reach that i think is court of owls like that and i'd argue white knight um maybe have to give a little bit more time and maybe people will throw three jokers up there three jokers um, is fantastic <laughs> but um yeah for some reason i'm that's the thing. It's, it's that's a weird answer, just from my perspective. And I'd love to hear anybody's opinions on what they think. Just my perspective is that it's not forgotten. It is beloved. It's just not in that top conversation for some reason. I would agree to that. I think it's a damn good Batman story. It doesn't do anything to evolve the character, or push it into new areas or heights. It just takes controversial. Yeah, con- or anything controversial. It's just a good batman story i mm-hmm. mean i think that's good enough mm-hmm. i mean i think that's more than enough mm-hmm. so yeah. um let's talk about matt wagner's art so one thing that i'm not happy about with this trade paperback okay is that it doesn't include all of the covers oh the covers are amazing i was gonna bring that up when we finally talked about the art i love all the covers there's a, a they make half- amazing posters yeah and I mean, there's uh, the halfway point. 
I don't know which cover that would be for. I don't know if it'd be cover the cover for issue three or four, but of the monster men, one of their hands has his cape and it there it's holding him up. Yes, that's issue like four. Yeah, okay. I believe that's issue four. That's the only other cover aside from I mean the book's cover, which is I think issue number one. Mm-hmm. That's it. So it wasn't until years later when I was I wanted I was like maybe I would just want to be a collector and try and get these individual issues that I saw. Holy shit! Look at these freaking covers. Oh my They're god! They're beautiful. Why are they not in the trade paperback? Why are they <laughs> not in the back as extras? You know, because yeah, god damn, these covers are freaking awesome. And it it's definitely, I mean the under the hood story, mm-hmm. like those Matt Wagner covers. There's like a, a painted aspect to them that i think really makes them stand out yes so yeah that's that to me is the biggest takeaway of as far as like the the looks go here are that the covers are freaking a plus covers and i think yeah even better for the mad monk story because that deals with almost like a gothic like a goth kind of sensibility you know um in the the amazing nod to the oh man i can't think of which batman cover it is of him batman in the sky over the castle like his wagner's version of that cover his nod to that cover is incredible incredible. it Um, is yeah but yeah sticking like to these i love all these covers and so that's you know what? If if you talk, I'm gonna go grab the Matt Wagner book and see if they're in that. I kind of <laughs> yeah, I got you. I, I mean, out of all of these issues, I could not find which one was my favorite. Each time I, I got to the next issue, I mean, issue one is the one most people are probably most familiar with the brown background with Batman standing in the front, which is very traditional. I love it, but the one you talked about, the issue four, with just the the giant yeah. hand of one of the monster men holding Batman, and the white background looks beautiful but i do i think probably my favorite overall is issue five with batman he's holding julie in his arms which doesn't yeah when he's like bringing her back uh i guess to wayne manor i just think it looks awesome it has this weird like mystical vintage like 19 straight out of 1940s vibe yeah i love like the 1940s horror yeah with like the like yeah. fog and he's out in the uh, I don't know, out in the field, like on his way it, back, yeah, something it is cross very, countryside yeah, or something like yeah. that. Very I don't early have, horse. I don't have my Matt Wagner book here. Damn it. Uh, I just looked at my bat shelf and I didn't, I well, didn't have it, it out yet. One of the Mad Monk covers, just Batman's like hand reaching up I, from, from what I remember. Mm. I want to say, I just remember that being iconic. I'm, I think that's from Mad Monk. But Matt Wagner just, uh, it doesn't, I don't know where it's from, but overall Matt Wagner did, I think his all of the issue covers are a plus like super iconic i love them issue two of the mad monk is yeah his hand coming out of, a, of yes. just like blood nothing but blood ah, it just it tells so much with nothing it just grabs you instantly mm-hmm. i love the issues like when yeah, I, I wish i mean it is kind of upsetting that the issue covers aren't on there it'd be cool to turn the page and then you just see those issues you're like oh yeah i gotta gotta dive right into this so good like yeah it's so good and i'm that's another thing where it's like Guys, why didn't you reprint this and include all that? I'll have to go. Now it's gonna bug me. Um, I, when I go, when I go look at my track down my my book, my Matt Wagner book. Um, but the, I mean, we gushed about the the covers, but I mean the interior art is also cool. Yes, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean it's still good on the in the book. Um, it is. 
I think it definitely Wagner has a style that you you just kind of know that that's Matt Wagner. I guess that's I mean, is that an artist's goal? Do they want their work to be recognizable as theirs? You know, it doesn't look like anybody else's. It definitely I'd say the he has some the only artists that I can see some parts resemble a little bit are, are like Darwin Cook. I think he's I got just, a, yeah. a little shot so. of Darwin Cook in some of his some of his art. Um, but otherwise he's he's totally original. His work is um on on, on an island. No, I agree. I would I definitely think there's elements of Darwin Cook, but there's I mean there's only so many ways to to draw Batman. Mm-hmm. But it does I mean, the more from you familiarize yourself with Matt Wagner style, it's easier to see. It has this I think time, like I mean, he said timeless multiple times. I think Matt Wagner's style is timeless. It's, mm-hmm. I get animated series vibes. I get very early nights, like the first issue of 1939 Batman vibes with some of the art style, like some of the pictures of Batman that the the GCBT have drawn up look exactly like the first appearance of Batman with like the curved ears. Yeah. And it is very dark and serious, but also very, as elements of lightheartedness and i mm-hmm. i do th- and i think matt wagner does a really good job of ending like each little parts of the stories at the bottom or at the very complete of the page so when you turn to the next page it's already okay another character mm-hmm. it feels like each page feels complete it didn't yeah. seem like there was much like bleed through of a story from page to page or if it does continue it ends at the bottom so when you turn that next page it's something completely new i think the pages themselves are, and the panels are are paced and placed very uh, elegantly and and purposeful. Well done, so observant. <laughs> I do like that because I do like when comics, you know, they're you're swapping from you know multiple characters, and I do like how each character we kind of always know what their thoughts are. They're, everyone's monologuing, which adds more depth to each character. But I do like it when each page feels complete. So when I turn that next page, okay, back to Batman. Yeah. Okay. Back to Hugo Strange. It feels just the pacing is so well done. The pacing's really good because it isn't. Um, I know you got. I just feel like you got to have a good balance of dialogue and just imagery. And there's never a page that you're turned to where you're like, "Oh, there's a lot of dialogue to get through on this one." And it's not that I, I don't want to read words you know, or anything <laughs> like that. But yeah, I mean that, I think I mentioned on the, my dark Knight returns episode with Robert Reinecke, sometimes that it, it does feel like it gets bogged down because it feels like, okay, here's a page with a lot of talking heads. You turn the page. Oh, here's a lot more dialogue followed by a lot more dialogue. It's like, okay, let's, let's get it moving here. Let's keep, let's keep going. I think Wagner has really great pacing um, mm-hmm. with that of like the action and um and even the smaller moments, you know, the, the little moments, there's something to say when, I mean, Bruce wakes up and Julie's in bed and you're really like, oh, how are you going to get out of this one, Bruce? You know, sort of <laughs> deal. So it's just even a, you know, a, a character, uh, a scene that's just about characters. He, he found a way to make that really interesting. Um, yeah. With art, with dialogue, all that stuff. So uh, is there any part of, Batman and the Monster Men that you we haven't talked about that you want to bring up mention even just a little thought. Hmm. 
I don't think so. I, for, for my, I think we've covered everything that I, I, I just wanted to talk about. I, I can't gush enough about it. I'm so glad that uh, you invited me on the show t- to read this again because it just brings up so much nostalgia for me. I mean, it was the first Batman comic that I remember reading. I'm sure I read some others, but it's the first I remember reading and retaining some of it. You know, so rereading it again, it brings back all these, all the memories. Um, so that was just a fun experience. But I just love. I love Matt Wagner's style. I love him bringing back a lot of the original elements from the first issue of Batman, like like Julie Madison and Hugo Strange in that story and the art style, but also, you know, also being kind of a sequel in a way to Batman Year One and, and combining some of those elements. I think it was a it was a tall task for Matt Wagner to take on. And not only is this guy writing the story, but he's drawing it. I mean, like, how much more could you ask someone to do? Like He's doing essentially everything. It's it's really impressive. I really respect Matt Wagner's choice with this story. And I think he did, I think he knocked it out of the park, in my opinion. So I'm I'm mistaken. I need to correct myself here. Okay. Does include all of the covers. Oh, okay. Because I mean the front cover is issue one. You open it up and on like the title page. That's uh, the cover to issue six. Six, yeah. You turn the page again, and it's got, uh, I think, two, three, and five. Yep, that's exactly it. And then the halfway point is issue number four's cover. So it's just in a in a really different way than how... That's weird, isn't it? Normally expect, it's like yeah. at the beginning of each issue, right? I mean, now they, they print everything and they break it... Um, like they break it up and so that you know when yeah. each issue starts and ends and everything or they do a whole well now the whole thing because there's so many variants for stuff that the back of the book is all these all the variants so yeah it's just kind of i don't know whoever whoever came up with this and i'd give you like a c on printing <laughs> <laughs> should have done better but um all right let's get to some questions then Okay. For you, Michael Ramey. Well, uh, what was your favorite part of Batman and the Monster Men? My favorite part of Batman and the Monster Men. Hmm. My favorite part is the art style. For sure. The timeless art style. Are you talking about story like moment? Yeah, scene? like what's your favorite scene. Favorite scene in the book? Hmm. Off the top. I think my favorite scene in the book, the first one that comes to my head is Batman learning from his his fight, his first initial fight with a monster man, and he he brings that gadget that throws and he, he throws on those two monsters and it pulls them together and they tear themselves apart. And when the panel comes, when uh, Norman comes downstairs and the panel just shows them like literally they have ripped each other apart. I thought that was super cool. That's Seeing it. a Batman learn from his mistakes. Nice. Yeah. Um Mine is probably Batman's first scene. Uh, him at the docks uh, when he takes out the the dudes, because you have the the one guy that's getting that's tied up and he's kind of getting tortured for his info, and you don't see exactly what's happening, but you know that they're like burning his eye with that cigarette, and then yeah. you have Batman. He's on one of the beams overseeing it, and then when he comes down, you know, and he's and you see that that the guy that he's got one working eye now and he's just kind of he's got this look 
And then the yep. next page is the four guys that were torturing him. And they're like, what? And Batman, I mean, it's <laughs> just coming down on them. And it's like, hell yeah. Yep. That's the mother effing Batman. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good good moments in this, but I, I really like that as like the intro um, to him. How about favorite panel? Favorite panel is certainly when when Batman sneaks into there's so many people sneaking into other people's bedrooms in this book. <laughs> now you think about it was Batman sneaks into Maroney's room and he's whispering yeah. to him and that panel of Batman just lifting up his cape and Maroney yeah. shitting his pants, I think is badass. And I love the the back window window glass. You can see it's like red out there of the city of Gotham city. I think it looks pretty sick. Nice. Yeah. Good, good call. Um, I love the panel from the scene that I just talked about of Batman behind those four guys coming down. Um, I like the nod. It's on page 64. So when he's on the roof uh, mm-hmm. outside of Hugo's uh, warehouse, it's definitely a nod to like one of those first images of Batman clear back from like detective 27. Yeah. yeah. That's a cool nod when he shows up at that poker yes. that poker place and it's a massacre. Yeah. That's but- that was probably my other one too. All that is great, but it's, I mean, it's the Batmobile in the Batcave. That's my, <laughs> that's my favorite. Love the coloring. Love the, him having fun with the little Batwing thing behind and the Bat cycle and stuff. I, I freaking love that. that yeah, the, bat, the Batwing or, or Bat Glider, whatever it is, looks Bat sick. Glider, yeah, there you go. That looks, yeah. that sounds better than, that's not the Batwing, Bat Glider. Yeah, nice. Like, I don't think that's what was used in year one. But maybe that's Wagner thinking, yeah, it's what they used in year in year one. Yeah, I didn't um, think about that. True. Why not? Uh, would you like to see this adapted in animation? I mean, why not? Okay, why not? All right, and you could uh, do you could just call it a uh, Dark Moon Rising and make this part one, and then do Mad Monk, make that part two. That's what I would do. That's exactly what I was going to say too. Uh, I'd want it to be a movie. I think because this plays as one story that yeah you totally you totally do batman dark moon rising part one and it's batman and the monster man and then part two mad monk why the hell not that'd be great gotta be it would be awesome and really play with the i mean like you just said with that one cover feeling 1940s i don't know play with that play like this could be you trying to return to the roots of the animated series without completely doing the animated series you know Maybe yeah. that's what they're going for with uh, the upcoming Cape Crusader animated series. It's like a style kind of like this, but I just, yeah, I totally agree that a movie, two part movie, uh, bada bing, bada boom. I mean, it works so well for the long Halloween, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily, I mean, obviously a two part story originally. I mean, this, this is already kind of done for you, you know, yeah. like just monster man, part one, mad mm-hmm. Monk part two. And I would, I would love to see with the success of the long Halloween, I would like to see do it. this. I would like to see him do it, but do it a little differently. Make it a little bit, you know, make it its own thing. Don't just control. Well, you're going to bring the... whoever, whoever gives part one a shot. They're coming back for part two. Even if they don't like part one all that much, like, well, I got to see how it wraps up. You know, True. like you'd, you'd have them hooked. They'd come back for more. And it's, <laughs> I mean, it's a beloved story. So why not? Uh, Michael, do you have any other comments, anything at all about, how about just what are your final thoughts on Batman and the Monster Man? Go read Batman and the Monster Man. <laughs> <laughs> go that's, read it. I, that's your final thoughts. Go read final, it. Go read it. I think it's a great book for 
I mean, I, I guess there is some pretty dark and grotesque stuff in here, but I mean, if my dad can give it to me when I'm nine years old, why, why yeah. can't you fathers out there give it to, to your <laughs> younger kid? I don't know, maybe 10 and above read it, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good story. It's nothing too deep, nothing too complex. It doesn't innovate or change or do anything crazy with a Batman character. It's Batman. It's combining a lot of what makes Batman great from all ages, from the very, very beginning, like 1940s, into the 80s with what Frank Miller did. It combines a lot of these elements together. And I think it makes a Batman story relatable to a fan of any era of Batman, which is awesome. So I would say it's a great story. Go read it. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Nice. Uh, Timeless. Repeat, like, cosign everything that you said. Um, I, I'd i say I'd borderline, like, love this story. I think it's, it's great. It's a lot of fun. Like you said, it kind of does. It can feel a little bit dark, but also it's in that weird way. It's, it's a fun kind of violent you yeah. know, but it's it's also it takes itself seriously, but not too seriously. Uh, and it's fun to fit into the time period that it does of as far as like in Batman's Batman's history of post year one, but still very, very early on. And yeah, the covers are awesome. The art is great. Um, if you haven't read this for some reason, uh, DC Universe or like Micah even said, just buy it digitally. It's cheap enough. It costs you 12 bucks plus tax to just buy the issues digitally. If you don't want to yep. just go check it out on DC universe infinite. So highly recommended read it again or read it for the first time. Batman and the monster man. Now, really quick before I let you go, Mike, um, I was having trouble trying to think of a, a, a Batman poll question concerning okay. this book, but I think I got something. Okay. It's not a cop out, but I've told Peter Vera, that guy we <laughs> just, uh, we talked all about at the beginning of this episode i come up with questions i come up with questions hoping and honestly thinking this might be a close like the results may be close and i suck at that because it never is it always surprises (laughs) me that there's it's like 85 percent voted one way 15 percent voted this way so we'll see how this one turns out but where would you rank Batman and the Monster Men on best Batman stories. Top five, top 10, top 15, or top 20? Would you be able to answer that right now? I feel like most people are probably going to say top 20. I would Mm -hmm. put in the top 20 or maybe even out of the 20, honestly. Okay. And oh, I'm not wow. saying that's in the gate, like how good this book is. I'm saying sure. that that there's just that many amazing yeah. Batman stories. But if someone, you know what, this is a story where I would feel like if someone had a you know attachment to it, like I do, would put it in like a top ten. I could see myself certainly putting it in my top ten. But I will, I will answer it as I think when top I put twenty. It, I'll vote it. I'll put top fifteen. I know it's not top ten. Because I did a top 10 episode and it was not on there. We expanded <laughs> it to a top 15. This definitely would have been in my top 15. I just don't know where. 11 or 15. I don't know. But it had, it had been in my top 15. So, um, yeah, go to go to the Batman Book Club Twitter at the Batman BC. And, uh, yeah, 
weigh in on on the poll on which which one you'd put it or if it, i mean you say no i made a list it's number 57 you can put that in the comments whatever you want so uh yeah head there and cast your vote voice your concern about this story so uh micah thank you for coming back to the batman book club ryan thank you so much for having me man it really is an honor i love the show it's awesome you you need to stop saying this is an honor because uh, (laughs) it is that's how i feel you want me to lie to you i'm trying to (laughs) try to be honest on this show man it's an honor i love the show it's awesome well i i appreciate that um you'll come back again because i'll demand it uh (laughs) glad to have you back this time why don't you go ahead and plug away uh with whatever you want uh, tell the good people where to follow your your thoughts and ramblings and such. Okay, well, I have my main YouTube channel on YouTube, obviously. Hey, all right. Literally just type in Ramey Review. It's that simple. I used to have another name, but I got tired of people asking me, how how do you spell that? How, how do you say pronounce it? that? <laughs> how do you say that shit? And I'm like, okay, uh, Ramey Review. Everyone knows <laughs> Bill Ramey. I think they'll be very familiar with just Ramey Review. So yeah, that's on Twitter or that's on YouTube. I have a Twitter as well if you want to follow that. I don't know why you would want to do that but uh you can but um yeah batman book club if you're here and you haven't followed the batman book club what are you doing with your life like oh, you, you, you chose this episode to listen to out of all the other hundreds of episodes with <laughs> people who know way more about batman than me so yes if you made it this far please you know subscribe to the batman book club on youtube all other podcast platforms and uh follow them on twitter you have a good amount of fans yourself, so don't short yourself because you talk. I mean, you expand. You do movies. Uh, you do you do books. I was on uh, your show for talking about the Batman prequel book. Yeah. Uh, you do games, break down games and stuff too. So yeah, uh, Ramy does it all. Ramy's reviews too do much, it honestly. Do it. No, not enough. Uh, you can follow. <laughs> this show on twitter and instagram at the batman bc for upcoming episodes uh new episode drops like i said just a couple minutes ago the batman polls um subscribe to the youtube channel on the batman book club because peter vera and i have started the road to no man's land so go listen to us talk about the first of eight parts of that series on the youtube channel if you want to support the show there's a variety of ways you can do that like i said at the top of the show patreon.com slash the batman bc if you want to support the show through T Public, where you can get some T-shirts, hoodies, notebooks, uh, stickers, onesies for your little one, you can do that at tpublic.com. But if you want to support the show and you don't want to spend any money at all, it's 100% A-OK, you can do it by rating and reviewing the show wherever you listen to it. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, uh, Google, iHeartRadio, wherever. Uh, just go to the rate and review page. Uh, the more reviews it gets, the more it helps spread the word. And as we all know, the word is panic. So... For Deathstroke himself, Michael Ramey. I am Ryan Lauer, and until next time, read my comments. <laughs>